Hello and welcome to Working From Wisdom. My name is Tracy Garrity, I'm your host and you are very welcome. In this episode, I am joined by David Horn and David has quite a few strings to his bow. He is the founder of an organisation called Add Then Multiply, who helps to access funding for entrepreneurs looking to scale their business. And he is a particular advocate for the fight against fairer funding for women and for diverse entrepreneurs. He's also a TEDx speaker on exactly that topic. And David is also an author of the book Add Then Multiply, which won Best Business Self-Development Book in the Business Book Awards. Originally from British Columbia, David now lives in the UK. And we had a great chat about lots of different topics. He shared with me his experience of going from being burnt out and how he got back on track and how he tends now to work more from a place of flow. And even though work needs to be done and he needs to show up, because it's coming from a different place, there isn't as much stress or overwhelm involved in that. We also discussed how we both seem to be rebels and what we think that means and and why we tend to have been put into that category. And he also shared with me some insights on what happens to the brain when we overload it with too much information, because it turns out it can actually only cope with a very small amount at any given moment. Hope you enjoy and thank you for listening. David, you are very welcome to my podcast, Working From Wisdom. I'm delighted to have you. Thank you for joining me. Thanks, Tracy. It's lovely to be here. So, David, I'm going to start by asking you the same question that I've asked my previous guests, and that is, what does working from wisdom look like to you? Ooh, what does working from wisdom look like to me? It's... It's a sense of calm knowing that you're doing the right thing. Um, it's, um, it's a place of incredible productivity and it's a place where you can just get in the flow and time disappears and you achieve amazing things because you're tapped into something deeper than just your own little brain. Cool. I love that. And it goes against an awful lot of what we are taught about where our productivity comes from. You know, yeah. that it, it's, it's more about hard work. Could you speak a little bit more about how you see that, you know, that, that you can have productivity from a place of ease without it need effortless efforting, I call it. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's interesting. I, I think you still need to do the work. I mean, I'm, I'm a big fan of, of, of Seth Godin and he always talks about, you've got to ship the work. Um, and, and I agree with him. You've got to do the work, but when you're working from that place of wisdom, it doesn't feel like hard work. And, and it's, you know, it's really interesting. I, I did an online quiz recently um, for a program I'm doing 
It's called the Four Tendencies Quiz by someone called Gretchen Rubin. And, yes, I've heard um, of it. And it's all about do you do you meet expectations that others put upon you, and do you meet expectations that you put upon yourself? Um, and I turned out to be what they call a rebel um, because I don't do either. Um, and, and what I do is what I want to do. And mm. I've discovered that working from my place of wisdom is what I want to do. And, and so for me, it's a case of if I've got something I've, I need to do for a client, I, I need to get my brain into a position that says, this is what I want to do, not this is what I must do. Yeah. Yeah, that's funny because I've been told I'm a rebel as well. And myself and Nina discussed that on our call too. And, you know, and I don't see that. I don't see that, that I'm a rebel. I just see that what seems very real to other people doesn't seem as real to me in terms of that's what you have to do and that's what you're supposed to do. So it's more about, yeah, I'm kind of being guided from a different place. And to you, that might look like it, I'm a rebel, but it just that's what feels right to me. Yeah. And I think, I think, as you say, it's that being guided from another place and, and, you know, it's, it's not to say, for instance, I'm working on a project for a client and I know I've got a deadline of next Friday. Well, I know I'm going to make that commitment because that's part of who I am and what I do. And that's kind of part of my core value, but equally it might be Thursday night before I start doing the work because I haven't quite tapped in and tuned in and, you know, sometimes I end up uh, a little bit under the cosh because I've waited until the last minute. But actually, I always deliver when I say I'm going to deliver. And yeah, um, I mean, I know other people who look at me and think, you know, well, why didn't you plan it out and do a little bit here and a little bit there and a little bit there? And that, that's just not how I work. Mm. Um, and and I can get, you know, when I'm when I'm in that place of wisdom, I can get very deeply focused. My concentration is, is total. Um, and the work just flows, but it doesn't feel like hard work. Yeah. And do you, do you see that, you know, because there are people who work in the same manner in that they kind of leave it to the last minute, <clears throat> hands up here, winging it a lot of the time, but it makes them feel overwhelmed. So even though that's how they actually work, if, you know, they work really well in that way, they think that they should be working in a different way. So they have so much thinking about, I should have planned this out in advance and I should have spent, that it actually makes them feel overwhelmed. Is that something that you've experienced and sort of worked I, through? I, I have experienced that and I've worked through that and I've come to the realization that this is the way I work. And so I don't, and, and, and I, mean, I won't say I, I never have those thoughts from time to time I do. And, you know, oh my God, it's, it's, it's Thursday and I've got three client deadlines that are due tomorrow. How the hell am I going to get them all done? But I'll, I'll calm down and I'll get them done. But I think the, the, the bigger issue there is when people start thinking and it goes round and round and round in their heads. Oh my God, I've got so much to do. Oh my God, I've got all this pressure. Oh my God, I've got all this stress. Oh my God, it's all terrible. And, you know, as, as we're designed as 
as human beings that generates stress hormones that causes your brain to go into a slightly frazzled state and and if if it's done in a way that's manageable actually those stress hormones are good because they kind of give you a bit of a boost but if it's done in a way where those stress hormones aren't getting released or aren't being resolved and 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 stuff then then um it can create real problems and you know that can lead to mental health issues and ulcers and problems and i remember reading a study maybe a couple of years ago um it was from one of the big us ivy league or you know top university um psychology departments and 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 they were looking at uh, you know it's it's fairly well known that human beings can carry in their brain up to seven things more or less at the same time but anything beyond that gets really stressful and they were they did a study of several hundred executives from all across america um uh, focusing on people who were stressed out and really drilling into the psychology of this and they found that the people who were really stressed out had eight or nine things that they were trying to keep going on in their brains so it wasn't like they had 483 it was just that they had eight or nine things and and the human brain can only really cope with up to about seven and if they were able to just get one or two of those things off their plate, all of a sudden, the brain's ability to deal was fine. So, so what seemed like a complete overload, oh my God, how will I ever cope with this? It's all a complete nightmare. I'm so totally stressed out and overworked. Actually, it was just sorting out a couple of things. Yeah, and I can see that. I mean, there's really only room for so many crazy hamsters running around in wheels in your head. Like, after yeah. a while, it just gets grounded in there. And 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 I can tell you, as a man, really anything more than one, uh, I, I'm I'm terrible at multitasking. Um, and you know, I, it's funny. That's something I've really noticed myself recently because before Christmas, I decided to do a complete shutdown and step away from a lot of the things that I had been doing and courses and programs and the need to do this and produce that. And I just stopped and started watching just mindless stuff and switched off the radio. And I've never really been one for consuming too much news anyway, but the experience of it has been really eye-opening for me because I always considered that I had a really low attention span. I couldn't seem to stay focused on one thing for, you know, I just got bored really easily. But I have found that since I've removed a lot of the interference, mm. that noise, I just seem to have the ability to sit and read for longer or watch documentaries that I just would have lost concentration on. And it really is, is that it's just emptying out your head of all, you will start to see what's important and what's not. Yeah. And, you know, feel, okay, I'm ready now to allow new information to come in, but I'm getting really selective about what that is. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and yeah, it, you know, it's interesting. Uh, a good friend of mine, a chap called Daniel Priestley, um, in, in one of his books, he, he talks about sort of different levels of the brain. And he's, he's like, he's not a psychologist or a professional in that sector. He's, a, he's an entrepreneur, a very successful one. 
Um, but he talks about different aspects of the human brain and he talks about sort of the, the reptile brain and the monkey brain and then the empire builder brain. And it's roughly linked to the sort of the, you know, the primitive part of your brain and then the limbic system on top of that and then the neocortex on top of that. But the key thing is when those lower parts of the brain get stimulated, they shut down the upper bits. Yes. You know, and, 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 and that's an evolutionary thing because, mm. you know, if you're, if you're, if you're a, uh, you know, a, 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 an, an early humanoid, you know, 10 or a hundred thousand years ago and, 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 and you're out with your mates having a, a, a discuss about philosophy and all of a sudden a saber toothed tiger lands in your pathway, you know, you're not going to negotiate with priorities, fight or flight thing and, and everything else just shuts down. And, and, you know, it's, it's like that in things like, um, if you've ever had an accident, like a traffic accident, or if you've ever fallen down a flight of stairs, it's almost like the world slows down and you're totally aware of what is happening in that instant and moment and everything else is just completely irrelevant. You know, yeah. and you, you, you talk to people who've been in, I mean, I, I had this a couple of years ago, I was involved in a, in a minor fender bender. Um, it wasn't really a big deal, but it was like, just all of a sudden, once I realized what was happening, everything else just shut down. And it probably took me a couple of hours to recover from that. And I knew that it was because my brain had been pumped full of fight or flight chemicals. Yeah. Yeah. And those things have to work their way out. And, and again, I think that's, I think that's one of the issues with stress in society today. A lot of people for whatever reason are, are continually getting those stress or chemicals and they're not able to work them out. They're not able to, they're not, you know, and, and, and sometimes it's just as simple as, you know, go for a run or a walk or a bike ride, just get some exercise, get something yeah. to get out. But I know people, and I remember this from when I was working in a corporate environment. And I, you know, there are people who just, you know, they carry on and on and on and on. And then all of a sudden they collapse. Well, the body can't sustain that level of adrenaline pumping through no. it on an ongoing basis. It's not meant to. Um, it's meant to, after about 20 minutes, start to dissipate. Exactly. However, the human brain has the ability to create that stress response when there is nothing there threatening you. There is no saber-toothed tiger. There is just my thinking about the fact exactly. that there, there may in the future be a saber-toothed tiger, but they're also made. It's just, it's, it's amazing how imagined thought yeah. can create. Uh, All of a sudden your boss response. or your client becomes the saber-toothed tiger in your head. Yeah. 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 So for you then in terms of, you know, that place of working from wisdom, has there been a time where you were operating from a different, you know, you were operating more from a stress mode? Like, can you see the differences in? Oh, completely, completely. I mean, um, <clears throat> so I, I, um, I was the CFO of two companies listed on the London Stock Exchange between 2003 and 2010. And then I left that world and, and have run my own business ever since. Um, and I can look back to times at that and certainly at the tail end. I mean, I mean, when, when, the, um, uh, when the financial crash came in, in sort of late 2000, and I mean, it, it really kicked off in late 2007 and kind of came to a head in, in the autumn of 2008 when Lehman Brothers went bust. And, 
I was the CFO of a, <clears throat> of a, a global auction business. Um, and I woke up one morning and, and read the news that, you know, banks were failing around the world. And I sort of thought, my God, I have $200 million of other people's money on my balance sheet. And it's in banks around the world that I don't know a great deal about and major banks are failing. Oh my God. And the next 18 months were a mega stress. We had, we had just completed a, a huge acquisition. Um, we had bought our largest global competitor, put the two companies together. We were operating in 23 countries. And when, you know, when the crash came all of a sudden, um, you know, revenue that we'd been expecting had fallen off the table because it didn't come through. And we had to rip out a whole bunch more costs out of the business and, and, and the chief exec got fired. And then I had a new boss and he and I didn't get on and, 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 and I just went into that whole thing. And, and I know that at the beginning of 2010, I burned out yeah. and it probably took me two years before I was back on the road to recovery. I was in a two year period of, of denial and stress and smoking weed and just, you know, just to kind of, just to numb the pain. Yeah. You know, and then, and then I, thankfully I, I, I came out of that through, through difficult circumstances. Actually it was, it was in 2012. Um, my dad had an accident and sadly didn't survive. Um, and that was kind of the kick up the bum that I needed to, to say, okay, get your life back together. Um, mm. and, and yeah, so, so, so that's, yeah. But for the past eight years, that's kind of where I've been going. And, and I started doing a lot of reading about, you know, philosophy and spirituality and all of that and, and, and came across so many different writers, authors, um, guides, whatever. And, um, have really, really found it helpful and have really been able to get to a place where I can, I can tell when I'm working from a place of wisdom and I can tell when I'm not. And when I'm not, sometimes I just have to carry on because I've got a commitment and I know that I'll deliver it. Um, but I also know that sometimes it's it, when I'm not, Sometimes it's, it's not a bad thing to just take a break and, and go for a walk. And, and, you know, that's, I think that's been one of the advantages of lockdown. Um, my wife's a retired teacher um, and we love walking. And so if I'm in a situation where my head's going nuts, we'll just go for a walk. Yeah. And, and that's kind of it really. It's, it's not that complicated, you know, the, the process of getting back to ourselves, of kind of regrounding ourselves and coming back to a place of, of, you know, deeper connection and working from a healthier place. There's not really all that much to do. It's actually about the not doing. It's about the stepping away. It's about the getting quiet. It's yeah. Yeah, no. And that's certainly one thing I've, I've come across. Um, you know, and I can think of a few situations that I've had in the past where I've been working with clients and something's come up and it's like, you know, oh my God, I, there was one case where I was, um, uh, I was the um, acting managing director of, of a client's company and we were making some staffing changes and we had to make a couple of people redundant. And uh, one of them came back with a claim of racial discrimination. 
And that hit me really hard. And it was really interesting because that was a, that was a really, um, uh, 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 it, it was a, it was a security business. And, and um, so it was quite a male dominated kind of thing, but a very racially diverse group of people in the company. And I really, really struggled with the idea that someone could actually claim that, that the whole decision on, on why this particular person lost their job was racially motivated. And, and, and I remember going into just, you know, like waking up in the middle of the night and my brain was just going nuts. But having done the reading and the learning that I've done over the last five or six years, I realized that, hey, that's just my brain going nuts and I've just got to let it go nuts and let it settle down. And I know that it will settle down and I've just got to allow that process to happen. But equally, once it's settled down, I know that I don't need to go back and revisit that and go through that whole stress thing again. You know, we ended up settling with the, the person and, and, and that was that because it was the, it was the, it was the, path of least difficulty you know we could have gone to a tribunal but that would have been a pain and and all that kind of stuff and and and, and so we settled with this particular person but i look back on that as a, as a terrific example of a time when literally you know i woke up in the middle of the night one night and and was just sitting in bed mentally paralyzed for about two hours yeah and there's a great comfort in once you understand that we all have the inbuilt capacity for reset, like it's, it comes, it, it would be really, really cruel if the intelligence behind life had put us together in these physical bodies and given us all these attributes and didn't give us all of the backup and support that we would need to help us survive and more importantly, thrive. Oh yeah, and completely, and 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 yeah. I mean, look at the COVID situation, and 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 you know, and it's it's. I, I don't want to get into the politics of it, and I know there are some people who think we shouldn't be in lockdown, and others who think we should be in tighter lockdown, whatever. But and and it's tragic that a lot of people have died. But look at the situation where there's this virus. Well, it's a life form. You know, and it's it's, yes. it's it's doing what it can to stay alive. Um, and then when it hits people, we do what we can to stay alive. And, you know, again, it's it's tragic that so many people have died. But actually, when you look at the people who've died, they've either been quite elderly or they've had underlying health issues. And for most people who are not elderly and healthy, whilst it's a horrible disease and, you know, touch wood, thankfully I haven't had it, nor has anyone close to me had it. Um, but, um, you know, whilst it's a horrible disease, our bodies have the ability to fight it. Yeah. Yeah. And I guess, you know, it, it for me, I've always seen that when we're not in a panic state and when we're not in a fearful state, whatever turns up in the moment, we'll actually be able to cope with it an awful lot better. And certainly from our health, you know, fearful thinking, panic thinking creates that stress response again. And stress uses up a huge amount of energy. And generally one of the first places that it goes to to zap us is our immune system. So, you know, that, that has always been my thing is like, I'm really just not going to have too much thinking about that. And yeah um if if it comes on my 
to visit me in in my realm i'll know what to do in the moment but you're absolutely right and and <clears throat> and and that idea that it you know it, it it shuts down the immune system because when you're faced with um a saber-toothed tiger you know the, the the fact that your body's healing a cut that you got last week becomes rather irrelevant and so it it, it just stops dealing with that and deals with the immediate thing yes um, yes and um yeah it's wow um it's been a thing it's definitely been a thing yeah. <laughs> i know i often have conversations with friends of mine and a lot of the time we just go i don't know i don't know i don't know and you know that has been something that i have been okay with really in the last while is saying i don't know full stop yeah and and I'm okay with not knowing. And I, I, I see for a lot of people, you know, the panic that has come around, the uncertainty that they've experienced in the last 12 months or nine months or whatever it is, you know, that is something that I am okay with. I, I've always lived really well with uncertainty. I kind of had no choice just in the yeah. way my, my life has unfolded, but it has served me so well. And what I've always seen is, you know what, things actually always work out. So I don't know what's going to happen, but I know it's going to be okay. Yeah, and it's it's interesting in that context. I was I was in a conversation with someone recently, and they were talking about anxiety. In fact, it was a it was a it was a, a Zoom call with. I think there were about seven or eight of us on this Zoom call, and we got broken out into little breakout sessions of, of two and then came back and, and shared with the rest of the group. And, and the question was, you know, how has your anxiety levels been over the, over the last 12 months? And it's weird, but, and, and, and I know people who do suffer from anxiety and, and I understand that, but I don't like, I just, and I don't know if it's because I've, develop a broader understanding of how you know how the human mind and the human being functions but anxiety and overly worrying about things just consumes so much energy and 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 doesn't really add any value and and, and I, I remember five or six years ago um I get these things called notes from the universe. I don't know if you've ever seen come across those. I've I get, heard of it. Yes. I get, I get, yeah. I get every day. I get these notes from the universe, and I quite like them. And one of them uh, that I remember said, "The next time you're in a, a declining spiral of worry about all the things that could go wrong, take a moment and just stop and think about all the things that could go right instead." Um. We tend not to, and yeah. you know, I I have had moments where anxiety has kind of hit me out of the blue. So I, I know the feeling, and it always hits me in my stomach, like it, it's like a washing machine. Thankfully, you know, it it hasn't really been a part of my life for quite some time now. But it's with the understanding that I have now around how thought creates our experience, it's it's, I find it interesting to watch. Sometimes, you know, when you're lying in bed and a thought pops into your head, that's 
an unpleasant one or one that leads to it could lead to that you know habitual loop of thinking that brings you down but i feel it in my stomach instantly like the thought comes i don't like it and it just it gives me a physical pang in my body yeah and it's so interesting to observe it from a place of understanding the process of what's going on yeah. and to be able to then go, well, that's a thought. It's not a reality. It's just a thought and it'll pass in actually a couple of seconds. And it nearly always does. And with it, the feeling goes instantly. And I can see the mechanics of anxiety in action because it's the thought layered with another thought layered with another you know you i often say that thoughts are like trailers of movies moving th through our mind yep. and if you let them there'll be another trailer and another trailer yep. but what we have a tendency to do is make a full-blown movie out of these unpleasant thoughts and we put it cast members and special effects and 100 and, and, and we hate it we hate that movie and the 13th and and yeah. all playing at the same time yeah and we hate it and we just keep going oh my god i hated that movie now i'm going to watch it over again and over again and um, and it creates a physical feeling in our body and because of that we it seems so real to us. There's a physical element to it because of the, the feeling we have. But we don't see that really all we're doing is watching a shitty movie over and over again and you can actually switch it off. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So, yeah. And I, I like, I do feel, you know, and it's a terrible thing, anxiety. It's, it's um, anytime I've kind of been stuck in it, it's, it's, it's so debilitating. Yeah. 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 So what do you see then as, you know, for you working for wisdom into the future? And I know we can't predict the future, but what does it open up for you in terms of peace of mind or curiosity? I mean, when you said, what does it open up to, what does it open up you to the first word that came to my mind before you suggested those other two was opportunity. Because when my mind is calm, I, I can be aware of opportunity that is happening around me that I might not otherwise be. And when my mind is calm and even when it's focused and then i'll take a break and, and i'll just look around and oh something something brilliant came to mind where did that come from well that came from wisdom because i was calm and 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 i tapped into it and yeah that's um again i remember reading uh, in a, in another book um and and this chap was talking about a, a, a problem that he was dealing with with a big client and and they had this significant issue that they had been brought in to resolve and and it was this very experienced chap and he had a, a young sort of mentee with him and and the young mentee was saying well have you figured out what we're going to do have you figured out what we're going to do and, and the chap saying not yet but it'll come to me and again you know when you're when you're operating from that place of wisdom it will come to you and sometimes it'll come just completely out of the blue you know it's 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 like those moments 
you know, how many of us, how many of us have been in the shower and all of a sudden yes. that's it? Cause you weren't thinking. Yeah. yeah. Has that been a journey for you learning to trust in that? Because it certainly has been yeah. for me. Yes. A very nice journey. Yeah. I love those moments. Um, I often, I mean, I, 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 I for, to keep fit, I run. Um, and I find when I run, I just let my mind go wherever it wants to go. I know people who plan out their day and, and draft emails in their head and all that. And I just run and let my mind go wherever it wants. And sometimes at the end of the run, it's, I mean, it's, it's almost meditative. Sometimes at the end of the run, it's been, it's been, you know, just a really pleasant run and I get home and I have a shower and I have my breakfast and, and, and it's great. And I carry on. And other times things that I've been wondering about or worrying about, well, all of a sudden, bang, here's the solution. Or here's an idea that you should explore or here's something that you should look into or, 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 Oh, you haven't spoken to that person in a while and they might actually be able to help you with this thing that you're working on. And I, yeah, I mean, I, I, I meditate for about 15 minutes every morning. Again, it's an, it's an unstructured, I've got an app on my phone that just plays sort of waves crashing on the beach. Um, and I just let my mind go. And I find that is incredibly helpful. That's li literally, that is the first thing I do when I wake up in the morning is I sit up in bed and put on my meditation app for 15 minutes before I even get out of bed. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that's it. I, I envy you by the way, because when I run, I just keep thinking, is, is this over yet? Am I done yet? Can I stop now? <laughs> I will never love it. I will never get into that meditative state. Um, uh, no, I've, I've, I just do it and, and that's it. But, um, you know, what, what I kind of heard you saying there was, and it, it's that we think that we have to think our way out of problems and that we, if we think hard enough, the solutions will come. But your experience is the more you switch off your mind and the less thinking you do, that's when the solutions come. Our brains are too little. Yeah. Our brains are incredible things. But our brains are too little to solve some of those problems. And if we don't stress ourselves with solving some of those problems, we can tap into, call it wisdom, call it the universe, call it whatever you want to. Um, but when our minds are calm, we can tap into that. Yeah. And that's unlimited. Yeah. That's wisdom. And, you know, that's for me has been such a, a huge learning curve, you know, in recent years. And like I said, the struggle for me has been actually trusting in that because there's, there's always interference and there's always advice and experts giving you all of these structures and things you know and you need to do this and you have to do that and you know what something that I've, I've really seen recently is that I always saw through a lot of that but I didn't know why and I didn't know I didn't trust that there was something else at play 
that I was, I was doing a lot of the, what? Really? That doesn't make sense to me. And I think that's, has been my thing has, and that's why I'm seen as a rebel is because I've always done, that doesn't make sense to me. No, I'm not going to do that. Well, that fashion doesn't make sense to me. No, I'm not wearing that. (laughs) It's interesting because I think our society puts a huge burden on us of the F word. And I don't mean the sexual one. I mean failure. Yeah. And yet, if you think about it, we're... We're creating new things every day just in terms of what we do because it hadn't existed until now. And, you know, tomorrow doesn't exist until tomorrow, but then it's now. So we are always creating things and we're life forms. And some of the mutations that we're creating are going to work and some of them aren't. Hmm. And that's okay. But our society has put such a burden of almost shame upon failure. And, and, and it's really interesting if I look at it from a, a professional perspective. So I, I, I trained as a chartered accountant and I failed my final exams. Um, the big one, like I had passed everything up and then the big one, I failed it. And it's the first really important exam in my life that I had ever failed. And it was such a, a crushing experience at the time. And yet I look back on it now, it was more than 30 years ago. And, and, and I think it's one of the best things that ever happened to me. And over the course of my career, you know, when I've been hiring people into my teams and you talk to recruitment agents and whatever, and, and, and they always say, oh, you know, here's this qualified accountant, first time passes in everything. I'm thinking, no, I, I'd like to have someone who didn't pass first time and had to pick themselves up and dust themselves off and go back and do it again, because that shows an inner strength. Yeah. And, and, and I, remember, I remember having a number of heated discussions with recruitment consultants over why I didn't want that candidate. I wanted that one. Yeah. Because there is something in, you know, there is something in that, that we, it opens us up to seeing what matters and what doesn't matter. And that failing an exam is not the end of. No. It's just a, you just failed your exams okay. and that's it. Yeah. Carry on. You know, and, and, and it's funny. I remember as a, as a small child, you know, learning the little um, jingle, if at first you don't succeed, try, try again. And, and, and that was fine. But then all of a sudden, you know, we go into school and it's, oh, no, you failed. And, 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 and there's just such a, a burden that gets placed on people. And, um, you know, I, I, I don't know the solution to, to the problem, um, but I just feel that our society places too much of a burden on failure. and we know that different people have different ways of approaching things and, 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 you know, different levels of academic or non-academic intelligence. 
you know, look at look at some of the most successful entrepreneurs in the world who were high school dropouts because they were they were dyslexic or or Branson. things like that. Yeah. And yet look at what they've gone on and achieved. Yeah. And I think it's that we we are it's because we get limited in our thinking. And that's something that I've kind of seen is that people say, oh, you need to follow this framework for your business to grow. And I'm like, well, somebody came up with the idea for that framework, which means that there's more ideas out there to be had about how we do something. So I don't like that. It doesn't make sense to me. I'm going to see what comes to me. And I think that's where the, the failure comes into it is that it's so, well, this is the right way and this is the wrong way. Whereas it doesn't, there is no, that, that's not real. Like none of that actually seems real to me anymore because yeah. it's very limited in its thinking. When we are beings that have access to an unlimited source of ideas and ways of doing things. And as long as it doesn't take a form, you know, as long as we don't overthink how that's supposed to show up and you mentioned that earlier is that you see opportunities in your future yeah. you don't know what they are yet yeah exactly exactly and and you know again if 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 if, if you look at what's happened over the last 12 months and you know the lockdowns came in and global financial markets crashed and 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 all of that kind of stuff and it's, it's interesting because I've lived through five or six major global recessions and all of the previous ones have been caused by one form or another of human greed leading to markets overheating, leading to some form of a crash. That didn't happen this time. This, this time it was caused because there was a public health crisis and we had to shut down the economy. And, and uh, you know, I, I know people who are in businesses that have been forced to shut down, and that's a really, really tough thing. But the really clever ones have, have figured out what they can do. So, you know, if you, if you have a restaurant, well, you're allowed to do takeaway. So get your takeaway stuff going and get in touch with all of your clients who used to come in and, and let them know what you're doing. Um, I have a very good friend who runs a, a gym down in Portsmouth, and, and they had to shut the gym. Well, she's moved everything to, to an online situation and does online training programs and, and most of their clients are carrying on. Um, I'm a, a, a director of a, a, a business that um, provides a community and education and much, much more in the dental sector. And, you know, in the, in the first lockdown, dental practices were told to shut. Um, and so we ran every day for seven weeks, oh, sorry, for six weeks, it was 42 days in a row, we ran some free training that was relevant to the dental profession. And sometimes it was just fun. So we did one evening where, where one of the ladies in the community was on MasterChef a couple of years ago. So she did a course on how to make a perfect pizza. Um, I did an evening session on how to taste wine. Um, you know, and we did all sorts of things. And, 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 we just made this kind of pivot and we gained 8,000 new um, base level members in our, in our, in our business. I mean, I mean, they're on a free subscription. They, they, you know, we're working on con converting them over to hopefully to, to, to a paid subscription, but they're on a free subscription and, and we've gathered, we've garnered huge following and positive support 
because we stepped up and did something to help an industry that was in distress. Yeah. And, and, and I know, I know that for some people it's been really tough and, and I get that. Um, but you know, we're, 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 we're clever, we're clever and we can figure things out. And, you know, I don't think the world will ever go back to what it was. There will, there will be a new normal when, you know, when we've all been vaccinated and, and, and whatever. Um, but the new normal won't be the old normal. Mm. And, uh, and, you know, it's, I mean, I, I used to go into, so I live in Ealing in West London. It's, it's, 25 minutes on the tube from uh, from the West End. Um, and uh, I used to go into central London every day and meet people face to face and have coffees with them or go to clients or, or whatever. And for the last year, I've, with relatively few exceptions, I've sat in the same chair in the same office at home and looked at the same screen and got used to talking to people on in, in little boxes on a screen. And you know, I, I, I've come to accept it. I still miss the physical human contact. Um, I'm a very tactile person. I, I, I like to hug people. If people don't want to be hugged, I'll shake their hands. Um, and I really, really miss that, but I know it'll come back in some way or another. Um, yeah. And in the meantime, I'm incredibly grateful that we've got tools like Zoom where we can see each other and hear each other. And, and you know, I, I mean, I've, I've got, um, my wife and I both have family in, in Canada. And normally we go back to Canada every summer. Well, last summer we didn't go back because Canada's in pretty much lockdown and, and, and we would have had to go into quarantine for two weeks. Um, and so we talked to, you know, I mean, my mom's 92. My mom has a Zoom account. You know, why not? Go mom. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it's, I mean, for me, it's been wonderful because I've met people all over the world, new friends, new connections that I probably wouldn't have, you know, because I just wouldn't have taken the time or it wouldn't have seemed as important. And I'm just looking forward to when I can start traveling and going to meet people in real life. And it's like, oh, wow, you know, I could go here and I could go here. I could really map out nearly yeah. a trip around the world and oh, meet yeah. up with people and connect with them. But I don't think I'm going to go into central London every day. Okay. Because <laughs> I don't need to anymore. Yeah. You know, it might be that I'll do one day a week in central London because I still like to meet people in person. Yeah but I can also do a huge amount of stuff from home and I don't need to have, you know, I get two extra hours a day because, you know, from walking from my home to the tube station to taking the tube into London to, to walking to wherever I've got to and then walking around and then coming back home is two hours a day. Yeah. Well, that's two hours a day that my wife and I can go for a walk or I can go for a run or if I've got a lot on, I can get two hours of extra work done. Or if I'm feeling lazy, I can veg out and binge watch something on Netflix. Yes, exactly. Yeah. So many opportunities. The, yeah. Just, yeah. So much. Yeah. 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 Well, David, thank you so much for coming and chatting with me. I really enjoyed our conversation and um, I loved hearing your, your take on how wisdom has shown up for you. And um, yeah, be well and be blessed. And you, thank you. It's been a real pleasure.